Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Don, are you there? Yes. Hey, there you are. What can I do for you? Well, a friend of mine has a house that was built in 1952. Uh, We have applied the radiant barrier and insulation, but... uh, her AC unit is 20 years old, and I think oh, it's just gone it's, south for the last time. It's time. Yes, uh, she has a two-ton unit in it now, and uh, I was just wondering what would be a, a good ballpark price for, say, a two-and-a-half-ton unit installed I, in her house. Must be a pretty small house. Uh, 1,500 square feet. Ooh. Well, here's what they need to do. You need to have them come in and do a load calculation. Uh, and that's actually, that's required now, really, uh, when, whenever an a AC system is being put together for a home. Because mm-hmm. you've changed everything in the house. You've added insulation, radiant barriers, all these different things that will affect what size unit the house needs. And quite honestly, comparing a... 20-year-old two-ton with a brand-new two-ton is going to be night and day difference on what that unit's going to be capable of doing. Uh, and energy-wise, I'll bet, especially after you did all the other stuff, uh, I'll bet her energy bill goes down 60% from what it is right now when, when you make that change. But as far as cost-wise, what you can expect... If all yes. they're doing yes. is changing out the AC unit itself, the ductwork is all going to be usable still. Correct. Uh, honest, it wouldn't surprise me if, if you're not going to be down in the somewhere between four, four and five thousand, maybe up as high as six, depending on how efficient of a unit she wants to go with. Okay, uh, she had priced one and. Uh, it was a two-and-a-half-ton, 16-seer uh, gas heat with new inside and outside units complete. Uh, no ducking would okay. need to be done, though. And uh, it was at the 4000 mark, and I was yep. just curious if that was a good price. That is. Now, can okay. I ask what kind of brand was it? Uh, I'm not sure. Cause she, that's gonna... she didn't remember. Yeah, that's going to make a night and day difference as well. Uh, you know, she got 20 years out of the one she's got now because I'll, I'll guarantee you it, it's not one of the low-end units. Yes. It, it, was, it was one of the better units, and if she's going to stay in the house, I really recommend she goes back with, with a good brand. You know, you can get units that are cheaper, and they'll last you for 10 years. Or you can buy, spend another thousand dollars, get a much better unit that's going to last you that twenty years. So, but uh, yeah, you're you're in the right ballpark at, at four thousand. All right, that's uh, pretty much everything I need to know. Then, thank you very okay, much, okay. and I enjoy you your show. Thank you. Hey, let's head over to Central Texas, John. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. How can I help I enjoy, you? I enjoy listening to your show every Saturday. I really learn a lot. Anyway, my situation is almost the same thing. 
I have a 20-year-old air conditioner. It's a rain, and it's uh, it's leaking freon. Okay. And and um, it, they found a leak about two years ago. I'm leaking about two pounds of freon, and the leak is coming from the evaporator coil. Would I be better off just getting a new unit completely inside and outside, or getting a, just a new evaporator coil? And it's 20 years old. Yes, it is. 20 years old. It takes the R22. Without question, replace the whole the whole system. Okay, replace the whole system. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you told me that this was a uh, an eight year old system, I'd probably be leaning towards you know let's take a look at the coil and and see what the price difference is at 20 years. You're going to replace that coil, and I will guarantee you within a year, you're going to have something else major go down, and you're going to have more money into fixing it than if you would have just gone ahead and replaced it now. Okay. Can I ask you, well, what's a good brand? Uh, Take a look at Carrier. Uh, if you want really energy efficiency, look at the Carrier Infinity. That's a uh, that's a good brand. And, you know, there's, there's several other good brands as, as far as uh, – Train, American Standard, uh, Lennox, those are the top brands that I would tend to stick with. Uh, Then as you start stepping down, you get into the the Rude and things like that. And if you want to drop all the way down, you go to the Goodman, which is just a bare-bones entry-type system. Yeah, I'll stick with the carrier. I do appreciate your advice because I I said I needed to talk to Jim about this, and uh, yeah, my air conditioner man said you can go either one way or the other. But uh, nah, not on a twenty-year-old system. It, it'd be you'd be wasting money. Okay, I appreciate your advice and thank you very much. And you're doing a good job. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. I just had Duess come out and replace a beam and had some floor joists. They did good work, but after crawling under my home, I found there was bags of insulation between the joists and by the side of the joists. My home has moisture problem. Could this insulation be creating my issue? Absolutely. And we tell people all the time, don't put insulation under your crawl space in the home. When you get high humidity in there, it holds the moisture, it holds it against the wood, and it will start causing wood decay. So, can it be causing your moisture issue? Absolutely. Would I remove it if it was mine? In a heartbeat. And the next question is always, well, I need to insulate. What would I put? Well, let's be clear. You don't need to insulate. Most people that do insulate, they do it for one reason, cold floors. And so if you absolutely insist on insulating, use a closed cell spray foam insulation. It won't let moisture pass into it. Therefore, it won't rot the wood, and it keeps air from coming up through the floor, and you know, the cold breezes and all that stuff. Your secondary thing, and nobody likes this, but I say it anyways, you can always put carpet in and not have the cold floors. So, but yes, I, w- I would remove that insulation if at all possible. Let's head to uh, Corsicana. Margaret, how are you today? Good. Well, how can okay. I help you? We had a tub shower taken out and had it converted into a walk-in all ceramic tile can shower. The okay. floor and the floor and walls do not appear to be solidly sealed, and I believe that water leaks out 
under the tile onto the floor. Is there something I can paint onto the floor or something to seal it? Not, not that's going to do you any good on, on that type of situation. Wow. Uh, anything that you would paint onto the floor would also have to be under, under the shower and everything. Okay. So if it's leaking out that way, that needs to be addressed and fixed. Okay. Because it, it will rot that stuff out quicker than you can blink. Even though, you know, a membrane was put underneath the tile, we had to, we had to a tile out on the, the regular floor. The bathroom had cracked, and we took it out. And right. lo and behold, the boards underneath that tile were damp. Yeah. So where where is the leak? Where do you think it's between, it's in the corners there where it's the tile the wall meets it's the floor? Yeah, it's in a corner. Yes. No. no chance of being able to caulk and seal it. I could, yes. Well, that that would be that, that would silicone caulk in the corner, sure. Yeah, that would be a better option than trying to paint something on the floor. Okay. At least at least caulk the, the between the floor and the walls, huh? Yeah. Okay. Now, how long ago was this put in? Oh, just eight months ago. Why isn't the contractor coming back to fix this? Well, because we fired him. <laughs> yeah. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, uh, what yeah. what what is the the uh, floor material? Is it one of those uh, shower pans that are are pre-made? No, it was it was a fabric. Um, moisture barrier. Okay, and they so put hardy board on the walls. Yep. The the floor is really cool looking. It's that heavily tiles that you know come in squares. Yep. And then and then the walls are the elongated ceramic tiles. I mean, it looks beautiful. At the very, it sounds like what happened is they punctured the membrane, the the oh. you know the rubber mat that they put in. Uh huh. Honestly, if you had somebody come in to fix it, the worst thing they should have to do is take that bottom row of tile off mm -hmm. to gain access and repair the hole. The hole. Yeah. Well, I figured that. And, and as new as new probably, as that shower is, yeah. uh, it would. It, they should be able to match it back with absolutely no problem. Yeah. And and then you'd have a better job than just trying to seal it with caulking because eventually if you seal it with the caulking eventually it will leak again yeah i guess that membrane comes in different sizes because this is not a standard size shower since we made it ourselves you can't you can't buy a metal pan to fit so that mem the membrane if used properly is sufficient huh oh yeah that i mean that's the standard is that rubber membrane yeah. okay and it it comes in you know four foot and six foot and eight foot yeah. wide rolls so okay. uh sizes won't matter yeah okay very good well i know i figured that's what i was gonna have to do <laughs> all right well good luck thanks with that so margaret much. thanks i love your show thank you thank you ma'am uh -huh. bye-bye yeah that's that's one of those things it's it's got to be installed right and you know a shower like that you should get 20 to 30 years out of it and to already have to be caulking because it's leaking not a not a good program uh, truthfully, probably ought to take that bottom row off and fix it properly. Charlie, how are you? Doing good, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. 
So I, I'm in the process of buying a house as well, and it's got a, uh, a pond in the back, and I was wanting to turn it into kind of a sandy swimming hole. Uh, I, I guess I was wondering what kind of cost it would be. I, I know you need a, tar a tarp, and then I don't know if I need a skimmer and a, a bottom pump, or uh, you know what what all would be needed for maintenance on that. How, how big a pond are we talking about? It's about 60, 60 by 30, 12 foot deep, tapered down. Uh, I okay. got access to a backhoe, so I'm kind of I'm going to taper the sides to uh, lay the tarp. And, and it's holding water good and everything. Uh, it is. It's not full at the moment. Uh, you know, I, I'm in the process of buying this house, so I don't know how well it holds. You know, during the Texas heat. Okay. The reason I'm, I'm asking that is it can make a difference whether you want to put a, uh, a liner in it or not. Okay. Uh, because uh, if it holds water without having to put a liner, then I wouldn't put the liner in. Uh, but again, it all depends on if it's holding the water or not. If you're going to put a liner in, they make regular liners for ponds and such. Uh, or you can get a liner that they use in the, the uh, garbage dumps. And those are made to withstand a whole lot of abuse to, to oh, keep okay. the contaminated water from getting into our water supplies. Yes, sir. All right. And, and, uh, and for the, the pump, does it need... You know, being 12 foot deep, does it need something down at the bottom or would just a, a top skimmer be sufficient? Well, normally, because I have a pond at my house, uh, and uh, <clears throat> the pump we had to put in, I, my pond is 25 feet deep, uh, th and there's there's more than just me on it. I only have an acre and a half, and it's a four and a half acre pond. Excuse me. Okay, four and a half acre pond, and we put a pump that has a chute that hangs down six foot into the water okay. so that it's, it's circulating the water well. If, you, if you're doing a 12-foot deep pond, I would guess you'd want to put something that goes down, you know, maybe three feet. Yes, sir. Thank you. You bet. And, you know, for a lot of people don't realize, but the biggest reason you put that circulation in there, it keeps the pond from getting a, you know, pond scum uh, growing in it even at four and a half acres uh every spring we start getting a slime growing in our pond the minute we turn that pump on and start circulating the water and we only run it for like five hours a night it clears it right up trey i was asking you about maintenance on replacement windows because we know we got to keep the glass clean. Other than that, is there anything we need to be doing with replacement windows? You, you do. Periodically. I've never asked you that. Yeah, no. Periodically, you, you need to do this. It's kind of like uh, uh, maintenance on your car. you got to fix your brakes every once in a while, right? you got to yeah. change the oil. you, you got to look at the caulk lines, okay? Even though the manufacturer says 75-year uh, caulk. Oh, them liars. <laughs> you ain't getting seventy five years out of it. No, you gotta you gotta do the maintenance on the car. Yes, I you mean do. you gotta you gotta make sure. Okay. Uh, and then you know the glass, sure you can clean it. But I, I would say you know give your windows just a quick clean down, just like you would anything else you got in your in your house. Yeah. Uh, okay. To keep them looking nice and crisp and clean. Vance, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing great. I'm actually surprised to see blue sky. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't supposed to. Yeah. Anyway, I had a foundation question for you. Okay. We've had two different firms work on our house, and I'm still having trouble with cracks. So one firm I believe has gone out of business or doesn't exist anymore, and the other one's still there. But since I've had a apples and orange approach with the press pilings and bell-bottom piers, how do I approach getting a good remedy now? Maybe call that engineer that we just heard. But Yep. Well, you know, you can call, like we were just talking about, you could call Larry, have him come out and take a look at it, and, and uh, he could give you some recommendations. That way you have something to give to the contractors. Uh, or what, what is the issue you're having now? Is it the same areas moving or a different area? Uh, some of both areas that had moved before were showing signs of movement. Okay. Some of the places where I had cracks and my bricks outside are starting to spread again. And nothing's real severe right now, but I'm like, yeah. okay, is it easier to take care of this sooner than waiting again? And I have one uh, bedroom that the sheetrock in the ceiling is cracked and split, and that's something that's brand new that wasn't there before. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple obvious questions first. Any trees in that area of the house? Yeah, I've got a monster oak tree in my front yard and two pecans in the backyard and three pines. The pines are pretty much out by the sidewalk for, I guess, 20, 25 feet from the house. Okay. The oak trees probably 15 feet from the house, and it's probably, I'd say, 10 feet around. Oh, wow, it's a big one. It's a big oak tree. Yeah. How old is the house? Uh, it was one of the first areas built in Clear Lake, so I'd say early 60s to mid-60s was when it was built. Okay. And, and the reason I ask this, two things that move foundations the most are the trees and leaking sewer pipes. And... Honestly, you, you, the age of your home, you got a double whammy going. You got the trees sucking out moisture. You've got a house that was probably built with cast iron plumbing that's leaking. And that gives the tree nutrition. They send more roots that way, causes more problems. It's just a vicious cycle. If the tree is older than the house, you don't want to cut the tree down. You don't want to root shield it because the soil was already in a shrunken state when the house was built. But if a tree is the same age as the house or newer, you can do root shields, which keeps the roots from going in and causing problems. And that's a huge thing for preventative maintenance. So if you're just starting to see the signs, a root barrier may be in order to help stabilize not only the area that's just now starting to move, but it'll help stabilize the areas that you've had underpinned as well. William, how can I help you? Yeah, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. I have a problem that I needed to know about. I have a central air conditioner. You know the unit that's inside with the, the where you have that the vent and where you see the feet. It, uh, I don't know what to call it. The unit that's not that's inside the home. I have a manufactured home. Okay. Ten foot roofs with the the vents come on top. You know, and the, 
but the, the inside unit where it's at, it, it, it freezes up uh, sometimes. If I keep it on, you know, then it is start getting like ice all around it. If I keep it on too long, and then when yep. I shut it off, it is, it'll melt away. And I can turn it back on for a little while. If I leave it on too long, then it'll start icing up again. What what what's, what is what is that? One guy told me that it was just the humidity that that does that sometimes. No, you you've got. It sounds like you need to get the unit serviced. I mean, what kind of temperature are you trying to set it at? I, I'm sitting it at uh, about sometimes 60, 60, 55. Okay, yeah, you can't set it down that low. Uh, you can ice it up if you try to overwork it. Mm-hmm. And really, for most people, somewhere 70 to 74 degrees, 75, that's their comfort zone for most people. And for an air conditioning system to work properly, it's got to be able to cycle on and off because it's taking oh. humidity out of the air. But normally, if a unit starts icing up like that, it's got an issue where it could be low on coolant or it's just not getting proper airflow. Yeah, one guy told me that what it, what it was, like the inside of the unit was, was clogging up. I feel dirt under there. Yep. And one guy told me, one guy was trying to tell me I need to get some special chemical, and the other one the other guy told me, he said, man, just get a, a water bottle, a spray water bottle, and get under there, put something wet under there, put something on the towel, and then spray those vents that's under there and get that stuff out. Yeah, you, your your coils are getting dirty. Yes. Is what they're telling you. That is not a do-it-yourself project. That oh. is that is have the AC tech come in and take care of it. Because if, if you if you bent those fins too much, they'll they'll develop a leak, and not then you got to replace the whole thing. Okay. Okay. So is it expensive? You know, is it expensive for them to come to do that to clean that out? Define expensive. Uh, maybe three hundred dollars, three four hundred dollars. You you're probably you'll probably be fine in that range. Uh, or actually a little less than that probably to get them to get it serviced and everything uh, typical to have to really have somebody come out and service your unit you're looking at normally around a hundred and we'll say a hundred and fifty dollars well, now you can get some services done for less than that uh, it all depends on what all they're going to do and if they mm-hmm. got to do a lot to pull the coils out to clean them and stuff then it could be a little bit more but uh, so you know, if, if you're thinking three, four hundred bucks, I think you can get it done for less than that. Okay. Do you have a company or something that you can recommend, probably, that I can that, that kind of trustworthy? Because I, I, some of them look like one guy said that. Uh, I had one guy come out there one time, and he had told me that I needed Freon. That, and then another guy came out one time, and he told me that whoever it was put too much Freon in there. Yep. It was, and it can happen. I'll tell you, I don't know of someone in West Columbia, but if you'll call my uh, my office at Due West at 713-475-0004. That's the number for Due West Air Conditioning. Okay. And uh, they can probably refer you to somebody that that we know out there. Okay, I will do that, definitely. I appreciate it. You bet. Hey, thank you very much. Well, you can take care and have a good afternoon. All right, All right you too. And one of the things that's going on right now is there's a lot of houses 
having to be raised up out of flood water. So I'm actually going to bring Kenny Dutton, my brother, on for a, a couple minutes here to talk about house raisings. And Hey, Kenny. Hey, Jim. <laughs> so let, let's... I was just uh, talking with, with actually Jay a little while ago, and he was saying that his neighborhood had flooded. He had some of his neighbors who rebuilt their houses and everything, and now the city's coming by, Tom. No. Well, yeah, if you, if you sustain substantial damage on your home and, and the value of, of your home is, is uh, you know, if your repairs that you did to the house after the flooding, if it got over 50% of the value of the home, the city's coming in on those now and saying that they, they have to be brought up to current code which doesn't mean just electrical or plumbing, but literally elevation code also, meaning that the house may have to be raised up above the floodplain. Now, I knew this was happening in pulling permits, you know, that if the value got up too high, they were they were uh, not allowing it, and you, you had to raise the home. But this is the first time hearing that they're actually going out and after the fact telling people to, to raise them. Uh, that was the first one I've run across that, that someone actually did come out and say that. I heard it was coming. Um, you know, that there's, this, these floods have been so widespread now, the city's having to do something to, to try to get some kind of compliance on things. And, and I, I believe that it's going to be an ongoing thing. Uh, you know, this area is just so flat. You can only run the water off so fast when we, de- we get these heavy deluges of rain. And, you know, the county and the state and the city can, can do all the drainage they want. But we live in a flat area. It's hard to run the water off fast enough when it comes in those heavy downpours. And not to mention the fact that, you know, Meyerland is probably a real good example. You know, a lot of that area is built out in the late 50s and the early 60s. Those homes were sitting three to four feet higher at that time than they are today because of area subsidence. That also means the water that gets in that area cannot run off as fast and, and get to the bay and out to the Gulf. Uh, so, you know, to, to drain that area, even if we would have had the amount of construction today back in, say, the early 60s, we may not have had the flooding issues because that area was several feet higher. Uh, with everything subsiding that way and all the building that's going on, we're trying to run more water off flatter land than what it was, and, and, and it's just uh, working to be a big problem for everybody now. Well, let's talk about house raisings uh, then because obviously Due West, we've been doing it since 1989 because I was there on the first one that we raised nine and a half feet i still take zantac to i don't take zantac anymore but i did for the stomach pains in doing that one because nobody knew what to do on raising a house at that time i mean it was all new territory i think it did more to you than just that i mean i'm looking at pictures of it right now you had hair back then you're being mean now I do have a switch here to shut your mic (laughs) off you know there's a reason i wear a cowboy hat but (laughs) beyond that with what's going on, we're having a bunch of companies coming into Texas who aren't familiar with the soils. And what I've been seeing, it's not so much the raising part that I have concerns with, but you have to underpin it before you raise it. And we all know what our Texas soils do, but these out-of-state companies don't, and they're going short on the underpinning. 
Well, there's even a lot of in-state uh, companies that are doing the same thing. You know, we've been in foundation repair for decades, and we know what the soils are here. We know what it takes to, to get something deep in the ground and make it stable. And what we're seeing with a lot of the house raisings with companies that come in is they're not putting the underpinning deep enough. And this is going to turn out to be a big problem down the road because a home that a uh, concrete slab that's been raised up and uh, a new beam poured ar- around it and a CMU wall skirting or brick skirting put around it is a major thing to try to re-level down the road because that underpinning goes all the way up through that brick into the old foundation. It's not an easy fix down the road. Things that, that has to be all pulled apart to try to re-level it. Uh, you know, I the ones in Galveston area off, off Clear Creek are probably a good example. They they probably drove those piles half the distance of depth that we would have been driving in that area and then added all this. You know, those were raised like seven and a half feet. That's a lot of concrete product added for that skirting around it and a lot of extra weight. I just uh, I think that's going to be a problem down the road with those things shifting. Yeah, and it's not a reason to take that chance if you make sure that the underpinning is done properly. The raising part... You know, that that can be done, but if it's not underpinned properly by people who know what they're doing, you're going to have major issues down the road. In some in some cases, it won't be repairable. Well, you know, I'm probably, a, I, I say anything can be repairable, but what it takes to repair it exactly, is it worth putting it back into it? Yeah. So, so in raising the houses, I mean, you know, back... In 1989, when we did the first one, it was all done with hand jacks. Now it's gone to the Unilift systems. And what used to take us weeks to actually do the lift is now done in hours. Oh, yeah. Take that, uh, you know, nine-and-a-half-foot one you were just talking about uh, a little bit earlier. I, I don't remember. I, that took several weeks to get it all the way we up there. We started that job on Halloween Day, and the people were back in it for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it it but it took us that long to raise it. The lift itself, we spent uh, almost four weeks on it. Yeah, and 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 a lift that height today on on a house with that footprint because that was a simple footprint on right. that home. They'd probably have have the actual lift done in day and a half or so. Yeah. Now the the prep work still takes a longer than that. Correct. But it, but it is it's much faster now than it used to be. And. Uh, we got Kenny Dutton here. We were talking about house raisings and the the permitting originally. I mean, you basically went in for a foundation repair permit and you were able to raise the house. Years ago, yes. Yeah. It is really dramatically changed now. It's changed in the past year. Uh, you know, one year ago, I could go in and pull a house raising permit in, in the city of Houston, uh, roughly five pages worth of plans. I'm... Got one in there right now. We've been dealing with them for a couple months now, and we're at 18 pages worth of plans, and they're still wanting revisions on it. Uh, You know, you talk to one person, they want something. You talk to another person, they want something else. And just talking with someone in there is is rough, getting to the right people. Um, You know, it's really bottlenecking things in there right now. And and we're not the only contractor having the problem, and it's not just house raisings having the problem. There's a lot of construction permits that have a problem. And, you know, I can think back... Years ago, when, when I knew a, a particular person that went in for a permit and it had an issue in there, and uh, the city ended up replacing a door inside City Hall because they were so mad about it. Hey, but, we don't need to bring that story up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was telling them, 
you know, our office, I was, I was going to go down there to try, to try to walk the permit through. They won't allow you to walk them through anymore. And I, I was like, well, I'm going to go down there anyways. Uh, uh, here's, if I call, make sure you answer in case you've got to bail me out because I do want to get this permit. Yeah. Well, the unfortunate part is homeowners are wanting to get the projects done and, and it's being bottlenecked by paperwork. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.